I'm Brooke Marcy. I'm the curator here at Riverviews, and I'm also an artist working up on the second floor, and I'm going to hand it over to Meg. And I am Meg Weston, the assistant curator at Riverviews, and this is the podcast where we speak to our current exhibit artist, uh, Michael Muborn. <laughs> I am at your mercy. <laughs> are you sure about that, Michael? Because we are, we are merciless. <laughs> we're not very merciless. No, we're not. Just teasing. We're not. We're, we're actually terribly warm and fuzzy. <laughs> well, thank you for being at the first Friday last week. It was nice to see you and meet your wife. It's nice to be there and to um, see a, a decent crowd for a while. Yeah, we definitely had a better crowd. So it's better than no people when we were closed. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see people starting to come out again. And, um, and it was nice to hear that people had really missed the art, that, that they really need art in their lives, especially now, and they'd missed able to come out and see the art. What kind of comments did you get, Michael? Did you get any good questions? Um, I got a little comment on the gold standard, um, which I had not shown anywhere before, even though it's a, I did it a long time ago. Um, I got many people who said that was their favorite thing in the show. So I was surprised at that. Does that inspire you to make some more? Well, I've, I've got two others. I've got one that's silver and one that's um, copper oh. um, as well. Done the same, you know, similar way where they, uh, the interest is in the uh, texture, the uh, level difference in the um, image, but there's no tonal difference. Mm -hmm. So they relied strictly on lighting to to bring out in any detail. I got a question on that since okay. another artist came through uh, in July and she was wondering how on earth you got the two canvases so so neatly cut to lay on top of it. Um, so I don't know if you want to give away your secret. Or oh, anything. I don't have a, <laughs> um, I don't remember specifically on that one. I have some in which I cut into the canvas and glue uh, canvas behind it. Right. And there's others where I cut out canvas pieces and put them on the, uh, the original. And there's some that I combine and cut into the canvas base and also add onto it. So, um, the, you know, that, that gives different, each one of those gives a different uh, look. Right. She was very impressed by your clean cuts too. She was convinced uh, that you might have used like a cutout or not a pair well, of scissors, but. No, plain old exacto knife. He's really good at it. <laughs> My question on those are, you know, I've worked with gold paint before and and not to uh, a very effective outcome, but you've used it very effectively. How many layers of buildup of paint did it take to, for you to get that? Um, Which one is that, I'm sorry? 
Pardon? Which one? Um, the gold one. Oh. Um, I don't remember. I put several on there because, it, you know, the metallic paints don't cover very well. And I used um, jar paint rather than tube paint, um, which is a little more liquid and flows a little better. So I just slopped a bunch of coats on t until it got what I wanted, you know, so I don't remember how many. Yeah, I, I just know that I've used, tried to use those metallic paints before. I don't think I ever got enough on there to, to get the kind of buildup that you got because you, yeah. you did it beautifully, effectively. I mean, the, the, it is flawless. Just keep putting layer on layer and, until you get what you need. Oh my goodness, I'm one of your other painter paintings. How many layers does it take? Anybody who's used acrylic knows that to get a flat layer of acrylic paint takes time and patience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm particularly fond of the ones that only take one, hey, there one coat. <laughs> but uh, some of them take two or three to, uh, to do it. So they, they are a pain, but... <laughs> I do it anyway. You do. Now, how long would you, uh, kind of like, how long does it take you to make one of these paintings? I imagine it varies depending on the painting, but if, if in general, well, how long? It does vary. Um, they average a month, mm -hmm. but I have some that have taken four months, uh, three months, you know, that sort of thing. So, and sometimes I work on more than one at a time and come back to to one. So it's kind of hard to put a time frame on those. But I I try to tried to average one a month for a, a long time. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Michael, when did you realize? Because I know you worked as. Uh, a bunch of other things in the art field before you came here to do painting. Um, so what, what motivated you to do art in a career sense? Um, well, I've always been very interested in it. And I took a job in Syracuse, New York in the early 70s. And uh, and I worked strictly pen and ink at that time. And I did, did a birthday card for someone that had a very geometric thing. And they liked it. So uh, after that, as birthdays were arriving, people asked me to do their card. And so then somebody said, have you ever thought about using color? And I said, no, I hadn't really. And they said, well, you ought to try it. Some of your designed to look like they would work with color. So I tried that and they said, have you ever tried painting? You know, a painting and I hadn't, but they said, you ought to try that. So I did and it sort of evolved. So I uh, did that for several years. Then I moved down here and I, I lost my job at Wiley and Wilson and tried to make it on my art alone, which was in, virtually impossible. So I started a, a graphic arts company called the Design Group, which I expected to last about six months, and it lasted <laughs> 30 years. Ah, it's and, quite uh, different, luckily. <laughs> the whole time I was thinking about 
my artwork. And so when I retired, I picked up right where I had left off. So anyway, so the whole time I was involved in, in art, a lot of commercial art, but then in, in fine art too. So. Very cool. Is your commercial art, how do you think your commercial art and all of those years working that way, how do you think that affects your fine art? Um, I don't, I just do it. I don't, I've never had any, yeah. any classes or lessons or anything. I just, I work strictly off the seat of my pants. So I probably do everything wrong. I think you just do everything different. I don't really think there's a wrong way to do art. No, I don't think there's a wrong way. I think we, if we all work uh, intrinsically, then we're doing, we're, we're doing authentic work. And I think that that's what we're all trying to do here is to make something authentic and true to ourselves. So Definitely. I think that's absolutely what you're, what you're doing. I had a, um, a show at the um, uh, old fine arts center back before mm -hmm. they tore it down and, uh, and I was standing in a corner made by one of the movable partitions and a guy came over to me and said, uh, what's so special about this artwork? And I said, I, I don't know. He <laughs> said, anybody could do it. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I said, can you do it? And he said, sure. And I said, okay. And I reached around the, the uh, portable wall and I pointed to a painting and I said, well, do that one. Do, show me what you would do with that one. He said, but I haven't seen it yet. And I said, well, that's the whole point. He <laughs> said, oh, it's a creative thing. Well, yes. <laughs> yep, it is. It's a creative thing. <laughs> you know, you, I know that you had a show in New York City. Um, Tell us a little bit about how, you know, all of us would, would love to have a show in New York City. So how did that come about and how was that whole experience? Okay, it started here at Riverviews and it started with the artwork I have hanging in the hall outside my studio. And a guy came bopping along one day and saw that. And so he stuck his head in my studio and said, you have a few minutes to talk? And I said, sure. And he introduced himself as being a, um, an art dealer from New York. But his mother owned some property here in Lynchburg, and I don't know how that came about. And the property burned down, and he was down taking a look at that for her. And he was with his uncle, who knew somebody here in Riverviews, and they came to visit them and just happened to walk down the, the hall by my studio. So the guy only kept me three or four hours pulling all my work out of the closet and everywhere. And he said, I, uh, I, think, I think I could do something for you in New York if you're interested. And I said, well, who isn't? <laughs> and he said, I'll be in touch with you. And sure enough, he got in touch and said he had a show set up for me. And, uh, need for me to send him a bunch of work, which I did. And there it was. 
And that, he was not all that typical of a New York art dealer. He uh, had specific ideas of what he wanted. And he wanted a no nudity, no um, raw edges. Hmm. Everything had to be neatly finished. And um, what else was it? Anyway, he um, asked me to repaint a couple of designs to accommodate that, which I didn't do. But anyway, he, um, the other thing was he was going to have a big gala opening. And I mentioned it to Marianne, who was here at the time. And she said, oh, we ought to get a, a busload to go up there and see this. And so I mentioned that to him. <laughs> and he nearly died. I <laughs> imagined a busload of people coming up, drinking all the way. And, and he was thinking of a tux <laughs> and champagne kind of thing and also then I told him that we, were, we really weren't doing it so but I did manage to get up the day of the opening I just didn't go to the opening itself very cool mm -hmm. that was very exciting and, and I think it was that on Broom Street that gallery Broom Street Gallery yeah the Broom Street Gallery and those were, I remember, those were the best galleries and practically none of them exist anymore. Aww. Oh, really? Which is, is that not I there anymore? The yeah, no, it, it's totally different. They've, they've all kind of moved to Chelsea at this point. So oh. um, all those, yeah. yeah, all those really great Soho galleries. Yeah, um, one right, right around the corner was okay. What's that, okay? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, geez, that brings me back. Um, I know what you're you're referencing. There's one very famous. I can't remember the exact yeah. name. Yeah. Well, well, actually, they've they've all pretty much moved out of Soho and up into Chelsea. So. Okay. Yeah, all those great old um, galleries, those beautiful spaces are are all gone. Oh. So well. you were one of the lucky ones. To <laughs> <laughs> have that time there. Well, could you tell us a little bit about your time at Riverviews? How has Riverviews influenced your work and how did you come about ending up here at Riverviews as, as one of the artists? Well, it coincided with my retirement. Um, I knew I was about to retire and I just, I had read about Riverviews. In fact, okay, I'll go back way beyond that. I was contacted several years ago about an interest in an art colony situation in the old Lukens building down the street. And they were looking for me uh, for investment. I don't know what made them think I had money, but they want, they were interested in, in my investing in it, which I was not in a position to do. And they said, well, when we get it going, maybe you'll move, move a studio in there. And I said, well, that could be. So then the building burned down. <laughs> And yeah. they moved to Riverviews and contacted me again about it. And I still was not in a position to invest. But there was one studio left. And that was 203. So I took that. And I was there for about three years in the one next to me, which was bigger. 
came open and I moved over there and that's where I've been ever since. Um, when I first moved in, there were many artists on the floor, like 20 artists on the second floor. Um, and I always painted with the door open and people were in and out all the time and, and, all, and lots of contact. We had lunch together and stuff like that. And gradually they left and when, when the art box moved away and opened their studio spaces, a whole bunch of them left. And a lot of the camaraderie and all went with it. So now there's just a few of us and we speak in the hall and that's about it. <laughs> I do always wish that more people would work with their doors open. One of um, my favorite things to just peek my head in if I'm going up the hallway or something, uh, just wave at folk. <laughs> uh, um, I've gotten used to working with the door closed now. And I, uh, I've gotten to the point I don't like people to see my work when it's not finished, you know, when, when it's underway. Because people have a tendency to say, what are you going to do over here? What do you, you know, that sort of thing. And I don't right. want if I could explain it, I wouldn't need to paint it, you know, so. Um, but if suddenly the uh, situation changed and there were lots of artists about, I probably would start painting with the door open again. My health has been a, a big problem um, in the past few years. And the fact that I am confined to a walker or whatever um, has greatly influenced me as well as nerve damage in my hands and don't have as much control over them anymore as I used to. So I don't, I'm not as actively painting as I used to be. Mm. But you're still doing it and that's important. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm working on one right now. So, well, uh, not this instant. <laughs> well, yeah, no, obviously <laughs> not. Well, I'm gonna, oops, sorry. I'll ask you the questions that we asked our first uh, group of artists, was, which uh, the first one was kind of, how are you, I mean, the world is, is, is just kind of turned upside down right now. And, um, you know, living in quarantine and all this, all the social unrest um, that just kind of encapsulates us all right now. How is that affecting you and how is that affecting your work? Well, I, I was in isolation for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I just didn't leave the house. And uh, so gradually I've ventured out as they've proven or they've demonstrated at least that masks are effective in, uh, in helping to, the, to uh, prevent the spread of the virus. So I've now started coming down here uh, most mornings for a couple hours so, and so that means I've gotten back to my artwork. Mm -hmm. I desperately need to work on my website. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> um, there just seems to be all, all kinds of things to, to do, well, just so many things other than just painting. Mm -hmm. No, I think I think that happens to all of us. Um, now you're politically active. Um, I see on on Facebook that that um, you're you're politically engaged. 
you think how does that affect your work and do you think in this in this time um that we're sort of in, in crisis um is that coming into your work do you think it will be more of a part of your work a lot of artists um that have been talking to you lately are starting to talk about their work is getting a little more political they're being a little more overt um it, do you find that coming into your work in any way uh the only way i can imagine that would be in titling mm -hmm. <laughs> i uh i have kicked around some ideas and decided not to not to become political uh because there's really there's no point in it mm -hmm. uh, as unhappy as i am with the current administration there's nothing to be gained by being snarky with uh titles about that so i i can vent through facebook <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that works too. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you noticed any change? Uh, has social media made a difference in the response to your work? I mean, you post often and you get your work out there. Um, has, that, has that really brought in a new audience? Yeah, it, it has. But a lot of them are remote, so they don't, they don't, come in and see the artwork itself. They just see the, uh, the uh, Facebook or whatever images. Uh, but um, it certainly has expanded the, the people who seem to appreciate the work. I don't rely on sales to support myself or anything. So that's not a problem. But the trouble is, as my inventory grows, I get discouraged uh, about doing more artwork and just having it sit in the corner, you know, so, uh, but the, yeah, there is a lot more interest through the uh, Facebook particularly. I know you have an Etsy that I think is mostly prints of your work. Have you thought about just putting your paintings up and seeing what happens? Um, I hate shipping. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have not. I mean, I, I have thought about it, but I, I haven't thought about it enough to do anything. I, what I was hoping was that people would respond to the prints and that then I would be able to do something with the paintings. But uh, right now, people are responding to the prints by looking at them and going on somewhere else, you know, so. Right. Um, I'm not getting the encouragement I was looking for. That happens sometimes when we, we put our work out and hope, <laughs> but sometimes we just get a, oh, this is nice, and then a click away. Well, uh, Delmas Phelps, who you may remember was here for a while, says that he, he does a lot of business through um, Etsy hmm. paintings. So, but his, his were, flowers and things which have a lot more universal appeal. Yeah, isn't it funny that you do geometric shapes but flowers and um, like more traditional still life things seem to be more universal than that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and your work is, Delmas tends to work a little small. Well, no, some of his work's pretty big, but he also yeah. has smaller work and I can tell you smaller work is much easier to ship. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm just going to go small because it's, you just pop it in a box and there, have you ever done tiny work, Michael, or thought about doing tiny work? I don't think my, my work would work well with tiny. I could take a small canvas and paint it one color, but that's about it. <laughs> and call it a square or something like that. But, <laughs> but I re no, I, I have tried to work small mm -hmm. and it just doesn't, well, it doesn't appeal to me. It may appeal to somebody else, but it, it doesn't satisfy me at all. So, mm -hmm. in fact, I'm, I would work wall size if I, if I uh, could. Mm -hmm. Well, you got the space for it. You can even just spread it out on the floor, go from one yeah. wall to the other and just see what happens. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Do what a Frankenthaler would do, just spread it out. <laughs> I used to love the uh, the big shaped canvases of Frank Sella. The oh, yeah. Huge. I saw a lot of his work when I was in, in New York. Um, and they were just totally um, in, innerving, innervating. I don't know about Never mind. <laughs> they were totally uh inspirational to me but i've never done anything anywhere near that large i did one piece uh there was a triptych and it was nine feet by six feet um and it was the warehouse where i had the painting stored had a roof leak and it ruined a whole lot of my work Oh no! Yeah. Oh, that must have been devastating. Well, it was. Um, it was, and I remember getting a dumpster and ha having it put in the driveway, and I hauled them out and tossed oh. them in the in the uh, dumpster. I wish now I hadn't. Well, <laughs> some of them probably could have been <laughs> been re redone, but. Such is life. An accidental Baldessari moment, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, as Hans Hoffman always says, you must destroy to create. I don't know that I, I <laughs> have his students destroy half their work and then halfway through a semester and then you just have them get rid of it all and start over. I don't know about that, but yeah. And I have, I have, uh, four or five pieces left from the 70s period. Um, I was going to tell a story. What was the story? Oh, well, I, it'll come back to me in a minute. I do enjoy that you have all these anecdotes of just uh, all oh, your I, talking with arts. And, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Right. <laughs> and I've uh, developed the ability to hear these things that people say and have them just fall off my shoulders like raindrops practically uh, because I've had my work called a lot of bad names. Um, but I've had a, I had a, a critic in Norfolk who uh, I had a show there at a gallery, and he gave a 
very bad review to. And a couple months later, he showed up at my studio door and bought a couple of pieces from me. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did he say? How did he, oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what he said. He, other than he really liked my work. And I said, well, your, your article didn't seem to reflect that. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, and, um, uh, there was a story I was going to tell just now. Oh, I know what it was. Um, talking about painting over. I had a painting. This was here when I first was here for the first in the first year or so. And down the hall from me was a group of quilters, art quilters. And one of them was here every day, and so was I. And so she would pop down sometimes in my studio with her lunch and we'd have lunch together or whatever. And I found a painting, I had a painting of mine that I wasn't happy with and I pulled it out and I was gonna paint over it. And so when she saw, she said, what's that doing sitting out here? And I said, well, I was getting ready to paint over. And she said, no, don't do that. Sell it to me. And I said, why would you want it? And she said, Tell me how much it would cost to, for me to walk away with this. And I told her, and she said, just a minute. She went down and came back with a check and bought it. So at that point, I decided that maybe I'm not the best judge of what people like. You know, I can do what I like, but if there's something I don't like, that doesn't mean other people won't like it. Yeah. So now, if I do it, I show it. I don't, you know, I even if I don't particularly, if I'm not particularly fond of it. So. I, I always, I always find that that's kind of the case is, you know, sometimes I know that I'm surprised that somebody likes something that I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't really like it. Like, okay, you know, okay with me, if you like it, you can, <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, I thought it was a nice painting, but mm -hmm. it just didn't, it didn't grab me. It, it did what I thought it was going to do when I painted it, but it, in going back and looking at it again, I thought, oh, I could do better than this. Mm -hmm. but, but isn't that kind of what keeps us going, is that when we step back from something that we've done and, and we say, I can do better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Usually, when that happens, I do better by doing a different version of it rather than painting over that particular one. But there's some, I have some canvases that are, if you examine underneath the, the outer coating, you'll find some failed uh, ventures. I'm <laughs> 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 canvas instructors and all do cost money. So, yes. Yes. No, no, I know most people uh, do exactly that. They, they paint over um, canvases and transform them in, um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, or as, as you yourself does, sometimes cuts them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have, um, talking about working smaller, Larry, um, Bowden, Bowden, Bowden um, gave me some old stretchers. For some reason, he paints, 
and then cuts the canvas out of the, the stretches and uses the canvas. And he gave me a whole bunch of those that are smaller, like 24 by 24, 18 by 24. And so I have tried a few smaller paintings that size and they have two that, are, that I'm happy with. So, oh. but they're still, by some standards, they're still large. Right, yeah. Have you ever thought about using the smaller canvases to create a big piece? Almost, you know, almost puzzle-like um, and, and piece, piece together a, a bigger work um, just in segments using the smaller canvases. I know several artists who um, actually do that. Yeah, well, as I, I said, I did that triptych that was so large yeah. and I've I did a couple of diptychs that were like six by six feet, but I haven't ever put small canvases. I beg your pardon. I've got one, in fact, I'm in the studio right now that I did right after Hurricane Katrina and Rita hit New Orleans. And I did one called Goodbye Katrina, and then along came Rita, and so I did one called Goodbye Rita. And then I put them both in one frame, so it's two in one frame. Uh, but that's, and this this small, they're um, maybe twelve by twelve. Ooh, that is that is small. that is pretty tiny, yeah. Big pardon? That is pretty tiny. Yeah. Compared to, to me, what very, you got. <laughs> yeah, to me. Mm -hmm. Um. You, usually what you say is small painting, small brushes, but um, I imagine for your big paintings, you're still using pretty small brushes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, maybe a three-eighth inch brush for most of the, as the largest one. Now, some of them I do um, get a bigger brush when I have a large area like a Mark Rothko. I've never worked that big, but you know, when I can slap it up there with the, with the brush. Oh, excellent. Very good. Um, Meg, I think you wanted to ask Michael more about, Rothko reminded me of this and kind of, of, of process painting and, um, um a little bit more about your system was that did you have a question about uh mostly just was super interested and read up more on that kind of work and leaving it to randomly generated stuff um so like i guess it's wondering like would you consider work like that digital artwork if it had that computer element to it even though nowadays digital artwork is like people drawing on a tablet and obviously using a computer as a medium instead of um, pen and paper, which you translate, you start computer and then translate it into paint and paper and canvas. So I use the computer just as a, a communications tool to the, to the big computer in the sky that gives me my random numbers. Mm -hmm. I have uh, on occasion, when people ask me how I go about picking the colors, combinations, and all, I tell them that God tells me yeah. what to put where. So, might as well be. 
um, but I don't consider that I'm doing any kind of computer um, painting or anything. Right. It just made it a lot easier than relying on those giant stacks of random right. numbers. Yep. Yep. Yes, convenience. Um, I have toyed with the idea of computer graphics, but it involves learning a lot. And that these days, if you learn something, for me, if I learn something, it means I've got to probably forget something else and it might be something important. So, oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not devoting myself to that. Yeah, I was, I was just kind of curious. Um, I do know a, a, a bunch of people who work um, digitally. Um, what do you think of digital fine art? Do you think that a digital piece is as relevant as a piece that is done with old-fashioned paints and brushes and canvas? you see a, a disconnect between the digital work and a more traditional method, especially with somebody coming from your background? I'd be curious how you feel, what you think about that. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I'm sure that in the future, it will be as accepted as any other medium. Uh, but for me, right now, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings. I have very mixed feelings about it. You're not the only one. A lot of people are kind of back and forth on the topic. Yeah. I have mixed feelings too. That's kind of why I asked you. It's a, it's a tough question and I don't know that there's an answer um, to it or, or, you know, but I think I have to agree that in the future it will become more accepted as a, as a medium um, than it is. And it is. It's, it's a bit of a conundrum right now. We're closer than the, the future. I think we're almost there, where it's an acceptable kind of art form. I have in the a, fine art sense. A piece that I've had in the back of my mind for many years. In fact, in fact, uh, before I actually started painting, and that is, it's a um, sculpture more than anything else, I guess. But it is a piece that reacts to to your presence so it it reacts to your your movement your temperature your the way you're dressed i you know just all all these things all these factors that make you at that moment um, convey to this device a certain look. It would only be you at that moment. The next person coming along would be entirely different. If you came back two hours later, it'd be different, you know, just, but I don't know how to do that. Right. <laughs> so right now it's just a conceptual art masterpiece. There you go. Hey, those are pretty good. There are a lot of people that, that are actually 
um, attempting to do just what you're talking about in, in different forms. Um, but oftentimes it's a collective of people with varying strengths kind of coming together to, to figure out how to actually execute something like that. But yeah. we're definitely seeing more and more interactive art pieces, um, interactive digital pieces um, are out there and I think we'll see more on the horizon. So I think you're ahead of yourselves on this one there, Michael. I think you. <laughs> well, when, um, at the, have you ever been to the top of the rock? Yeah. Have you been in that room? Uh, oh, with the floor. And, and it, it chases you across. Yeah, yeah, it assigns your color when you come in and then it follows you around the room. Yeah. So that was fun. When I went to the top of the rock, it was really foggy. So that was the only thing to really look at because yeah. you when couldn't look at the city. It was so cold and fleeing and rainy and everything that we spent most of our time <laughs> in uh, the room. instead of outside. But uh, yeah, that was fascinating that it would just follow you around the room. That would be a fun technology. All things I manipulate. In New York, you tend not to do things like that, and I lived there for 10 years, so uh, we never, you know, never, never been to the uh, Empire State Building, too expensive. Uh -huh. um, no. uh, Statue of Liberty, no. Um, so people are often like, well, what did you do when you lived there? And I'm like, I just lived. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, we have uh, some good friends that live in New York, in Manhattan, and They'd like for us to come up there because then they get to go to the touristy places because we want to. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and they, they'd never been yeah. to the Museum of Modern Art or the Whitney or uh, the Guggenheim um, or to the Statue of Liberty or, uh, you know, any of those um, touristy Oh, no, they yeah, they gotta go. I mean, I went because, well, I worked at the Museum of Modern Art, so I had to go there every day. <laughs> different kind of that's, attitude that's when you different. have to go there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I worked there. I had to go there every day, which I loved every minute of it. But, um, but yes, it's, it, it's, it's, I wonder what I'm missing here in Lynchburg and the fact that, you know, you know, we, you don't experience things the same way if you're just visiting somewhere as opposed to as if you no but new york is a place i like to visit but i would not want to live there mm -hmm. no it, it's tough i'm i made it for for a good long time and then it i couldn't do it anymore but um it's usually seven to ten years that people live there and then they have to make the decision whether they can live there or not then I tell you, you have somebody like my sister who's been there for 28 years and, and can't imagine living anywhere else. So do you in still, yeah, yeah, she lives in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Do you still get up to, you know, have you been up to New York? Have you seen the art up there? Or, um, yeah, uh, it's been, uh, <clears throat> let's see, I think the last time was in uh, 2012. Um, no, it's been since then, probably 14. Um, took my granddaughters, took two granddaughters up there for their first trip to New York. 
and uh, they wanted to see everything, of course, but there's lim limit to what you can do in three or four days. Right. Absolutely. Well, we did hit the Museum of Modern Art, and that's one of my favorite places. Yeah, it's very different now with the, the new uh, construction and building. And yeah. even when I worked there, um, you know, going back and walking in and seeing some of my, you know, these paintings, a lot of the paintings are my dear friends. And, um, and going back and seeing my dear friends behind glass when they weren't behind glass. When uh, I knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a very different experience now. I've been to art museums all around, all over the place. Uh, I saw the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam and the, the, I can't remember the Dutch word for it, but the Museum of Modern Art there that had this Night Watch, Rembrandt's Night Watch. Oh! Um, and, uh, a Salvador Dali exhibit that after I saw about half of it, my mind exploded. I had to leave. <laughs> you were like a <laughs> 300 pieces of Salvador Dali, and oh I could, couldn't make it through there. I, oh, I it could. does sound like a trip in and of itself. <laughs> and then uh, the um, what's the museum in LA? The Getty. Getty. I saw the the Van Gogh irises painting there, which was just amazing. Anyway, I've been to quite a few museums. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love them. Do you have a favorite museum? Um, I liked the one in LA. Um, I liked it a lot. And one in San Francisco. I like them all. I don't, I don't have a particular favorite. Oh, it depends on what their shows are. You know, with, I've been to the Taubman. You know, they, they had interesting shows there sometimes. Mm -hmm. No, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, yeah, do you ever get up to the Mayor Museum here in, in uh, at uh, Randall? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Uh, but I don't know why it's so hard for me to get there. Shouldn't be. <laughs> don't but, worry, uh, I went to Randolph, and it's hard for the students who just need to go across <laughs> campus yeah. to get there. So you're but not alone that in that struggle. <laughs> ravine you have to cross. Right. So you <laughs> could just drive up there. That's nothing yeah, stopping you guys. It's okay. fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I used to tell the students, come on, it's good for your glutes. Let's get out there and get up that hill. And uh, there's always a tremendous amount of complaining, but um, once always we, worth it. Yeah, get up there. Once yeah. There. Well, I've seen some really, inter <laughs> really interesting things there. Mm -hmm. I had a show at Randolph Macon one time, and but it was in the main hall mm -hmm. a long time ago. Oh my goodness. So where do you see the future of your art going? Just keep doing what you're doing and... 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I don't think of it as, as uh, ending. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may just sort of drift away or whatever, but I don't, I don't have any particular plans. I want to I wanna paint a masterpiece, mm -hmm. but I don't know what that'll be. And I don't know if I'll know it when I see it. Mm -hmm. too. And I don't even know if I know what a masterpiece is. It's a masterpiece defined by someone else and not by ourselves. Yeah. You know, it, it's that that's kind of the question. Do we do, do we define our own masterpieces or is it the outside world that actually defines it's the outside world? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. Because maybe each and every piece we do is a little bit of a masterpiece because maybe we learn a little something new. Um, my uh, daughter, one of my daughter, daughters-in-law asked me one time, what period would you say you're painting in now? And I said, <laughs> what? And she said, well, you know, Picasso had the blue period and all this. And I said, well, those things are given by art critics. <laughs> Artists don't say, I'm going to work in my blue period now. They right. just, <laughs> the critic comes along and says, well, that was back during his blue period. <laughs> exactly. So much of the art world is defined by the outs, not, not the artists, but the um, outside forces, the, the critic, the, the galleries, the museums. Um, artists seems to just keep making art. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's sure. That's right. Mm -hmm. How has it been making art in Lynchburg? I mean, Lynchburg um, has a very kind of traditional sense of of what art is. I think that is changing and growing, and it's it's very exciting to see um, Lynchburg art scene of in in transitioning. I think it has been transitioning for uh, quite a few years now. Um, but you've always remained true to what you do. And I can't imagine that that has always been easy. Um, I guess because I do it for my own satisfaction. Um, and there are a few people who appreciate that. And there a lot of people like are, um, amazed by it or entertained by it or whatever, um, which, which I find very satisfying. I love to be hanging around listening when people are talking about my artwork, even if they're saying, you know, really negative things about it. Um, but, and I do it because I want to. I've never wanted to do anything else, you know, any other kind of, uh, mm -hmm artwork if they said you can't do any more geometric work i just wouldn't work you know wouldn't do any more painting you just wouldn't do any more art no they would take take away your impetus for making art. yeah because i'm not through exploring what i do mm -hmm. that's in fact I, I think the possibilities are endless infinite Mm-hmm. I think that's what, what's kind of exciting about and interesting being an artist is, is people talk about the word retirement and I'm like, what's that? 
I'm never going to retire from being an artist. I yeah. mean, I, I, you know, I've hit the tip of the iceberg on, on everything to learn and discover. And it's, it's you know, it, it seems to never, it's not, in the words of Kiki Smith, there's always something to do and I never get bored. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't either. <laughs> I used to not be able to sleep either. Oh no. Oh, I, I just, I would lie in bed hours with my head just going all kinds of directions mm -hmm. uh, on artwork and frustration because there was only so much time in the day and all that. But I, I think I've calmed a lot of that lately. Mm -hmm. You need your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think as, as you get older, your 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 ways and means and and um, change and 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 when you're making your art. And as you you said, you know, the negative just rolls right off of you now. Yeah. You know, but but I but that always seems to come with, you know, a lot of years of figuring that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Uh decided a long time ago that uh, it's better people have different opinions. Uh, it'd be pretty boring if everybody thought alike. Right. And what I do now when somebody says something negative about my work is I say, I appreciate your opinion. You know, I really, and I'm sincere about it. You know, I really, I'm, I like hearing people's opinion, even if it's, even if it's bad. Um, unless if it's just vindictive. Yeah, if it's cruel, kind of. Yeah, that, that would be different, but I've never had anybody. Uh, when people realize that I've overheard them say something negative, they're always very uh, sheepish and apologetic. And, you know, nobody has really intended for me to hear, and they usually are afraid it's hurt my feelings, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it happens and, and it seems to get easier as you age. You just have more perspective on your work and why you make it. Well, I've had enough uh, reinforcement through the years to know that my work is good mm -hmm. and somebody else's opinion of it is not going to make it bad. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, and it seems to be satisfying a lot of people, but mostly it's satisfying me. Oh my goodness. Can I take that and use that as a quote, like just to write down and stick on my wall? <laughs> <laughs> I love what you just said. That was... I could I could write that and stick it on my wall and just have it as a constant reminder. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. marvelous. You're welcome to it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I have to ask you the inevitable question: Do you consider yourself an introvert? Um, mostly. Mm -hmm. 
mostly. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I hadn't thought about that. That might be the toughest question so far. That I um, normally uh, keep to myself a lot, but I'm an extrovert at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think most, uh, most of the painters that um, I talk to and know um, are introverts. It, it's kind of like we don't mind spending a lot of time alone. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't mind spending a lot of time alone. I'm, I'm never bored, and never lonely. I've got yeah. plenty to do. You're sounding like an introvert, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am basically an introvert. My brother is a recluse. Really? Yeah, he's, he lives in uh, just outside San Francisco. And except for his wife, I don't think he ever sees anybody else. And he stays home virtually all the time. And he calls himself a recluse. He's far worse than I am. Far, far worse. Yeah. Well, I, th I think that we all need balance. We need a little bit of the introvert, and, and, but we got to have that extrovert to, to balance it all out a, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, any other questions for me, Meg? Not really. It was just nice getting to chit chat and get to know you a little bit better. And ask like great questions, like, what's your favorite fictional character? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's really off the wall. Mm -hmm. um, favorite fictional character. Geez, I don't know if I have one. There was a there's a book called Wolf. Um, it's written I can't remember what his name is, but I've read it a couple of times about a guy who is a loner and he his life's goal is to see a live wild wolf out in the in the wilds and. It's just his various ventures along the way. And I wouldn't say he's my favorite fictional character, but he's up there. He's up there. Mm -hmm. I always think that our, our, uh, the fictional characters that we enjoy always say a little something about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, one more for me. Uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie. I love North by Northwest. Oh, so good. I love Casablanca. Oh, so good. Uh, I would say it'd be between those two. Can't go wrong with either of them. Uh, nowadays, I, I ask my students to, um, you know, I, I'll reference Casablanca and they don't know what I'm talking of course. about. I bet right. not. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Yep. It's black and white. Black. <laughs> Who wants to see a black and white movie? I know, but it was so beautifully executed and um, where they played with the idea of, of perspective was at the times phenomenal, you know, where they had 
when when he's saying goodbye to Ingrid Bergman and they have the plane in the background. Right. You know, it was actually really, really, really small. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the people were really small to make it look like it was far away. So um, I think everybody needs to watch both of those movies, no matter what age you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really um, are visually beautiful. Mm -hmm. I could probably name some more, but those two are the ones that, that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Yep, two of my favorites, no question. Okay, Meg, you got anything? No, <laughs> you keep asking me and it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it says, like, maybe I thought that the fictional character in the favorite movie might. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, you just made me start wondering what mine were and <laughs> that wasn't very productive. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? Uh, I don't... Overall, probably Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. Oh, really? Definitely, yeah. Oh. Um, I think I've watched that the most in my life. Is that the one with the at apps? Yes, yep, that's okay. what they're I on. I have now. a very bad problem with that. And that is, why didn't they come from behind the at apps? They always come in front where the, their cannons are shooting at them and all, but there's no armament in the rear. So that's, I have trouble every time I see that movie. I have trouble. Yeah. Who knows besides that George Lucas didn't think of that one. Right. <laughs> when he was making the that movie. That would be too easy. Um, and the fictional characters, I got, I have so many because I like to keep them like, Han Solo's up there, but he's not like my favorite one. Um, in the newer ones, I like a lot of their new characters, even though I know it's a big controversy <laughs> to like the newer ones. But um, I know I read a lot of books growing up too. So fictional characters, I have like hundreds of them that I would be like friends with and want to hang out with and see. I don't know if that's an actual answer. <laughs> that might be a cop out. <laughs> have you ever seen Casablanca? Uh, I have seen parts of it. Uh, you need to see the whole thing. Yes. Have you seen North by Northwest? Parts of that. I, I watched a lot of TMC, but not any when the heavy hitters were on. <laughs> I could probably quote a few episodes of Adam-12 and Emergency and Dragnet. I wasted a lot of time watching those, <laughs> but not Casablanca or <laughs> North by Northwest. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Just the facts. <laughs> All good stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll let you go on your day and we'll wrap this up. Thank you, Michael. That's fun. Good. Being a part of this is a new thing, so I'm happy that you were able to be a guest on it. This yeah. My first podcast. Our first podcast, too. <laughs> We're newbies, too. I guess it's like a second episode or third episode, but it's still the first podcast. We, we know what we're figuring that out. So, mm. <laughs> <After two. laughs> yeah.